Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us on our first Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. But first, a little bit about me. I've been at the Akron Beacon Journal for 21-some-odd years. I know that's a lot of time. I've been an editor and a reporter and editor and report. Well, you get the idea. I've set up a lot of desks, including my dining room table for the past few months amid the pandemic. But I've covered a lot of great topics at Akron, from LeBron James to Cuyahoga Falls City Hall to the Akron Zoo. And all in all, we brought some great stories, and there are many more stories to tell. Our goal is to help you learn more about the key issues impacting our community's future and your daily lives through this podcast. We'll talk to Beacon Journal journalists, key leaders, and others who can help keep you informed. In our first edition, we explore housing issues in Akron as reported recently in the ongoing Home in Akron series from the Akron Media Collaborative. This includes the Beacon Journal, Devil Strip, News 5 Cleveland, WKSU, and Reveal, the Center for Investigative Reporting. We'll also discuss this new podcast with Beacon Journal editor, Michael Shear. Let's take a look at some recent headlines of things you should know that were featured on BeaconJournal.com. The Summit County Board of Health has stepped up vaccinations for county residents and others by opening its first mass vaccination site at the Summit County Fairground. It was originally hoped that the site would be open at the old Chapel Hill Mall, But the recent sale of that property for possible development as industrial uses scuttled those plans. Instead, they've set up shop at the Summit County Fairgrounds, where as many as 2,500 vaccinations were given out in one single day. The number of vaccinations that will be given out will depend on allocations from the state, but the county is confident and hopeful that the vaccinations will continue there. The journalists at the Akron Beacon Journal, along with its sister website, BeaconJournal.com has launched a new series called Change Agents. This is a series of articles that will focus on some pretty ordinary people who are doing some very extraordinary things. Some of the features already written include an actor and victim's advocate whose dreams big and aims to help others. Another is a kindly stranger, a food banker, who has dedicated their life to being one of the world's helpers. Be sure to check the paper and online for these articles. In our last story, and they're underway at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Well, at least they are in person. Cleveland Indians are back in town, but for many local residents, trying to find the game on TV has proved to be, well, they're striking out. It seems that the old Fox Sports Ohio has yet to reach a contract under its new ownership, Valley Sports Ohio, with many non-traditional cable providers. That would be those who have Hulu or YouTube. Our reporter, George Thomas, has done a great job covering this issue and will continue to do so. And hopefully soon, you'll be back to watching baseball on your local TV sets. Before we get to our spotlight segment, I've asked Beacon Journal editor Mike Shear to join me for the launch of this podcast and talk a little bit about what we're trying to accomplish here, why we are uh, launching this endeavor. And so, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Craig. So what's your thoughts of, of doing a podcast? Obviously, we, we are hitting a lot of mediums here, and we're, we're trying to reach the audiences where they're at, right? Correct. Uh, the podcast is simply a way for the Beacon Journal and our team of journalists to share their expertise on Akron and Summit County 
in a different format and hopefully reach a different audience than we have traditionally through our uh, print and online products. So it's it's uh, an attempt to, uh, as you'll see in today's episode, it, it better explain key issues like housing in Akron in a more detailed way that we can uh, through audio. And I would be remiss not to say that, that I'm sitting right now in my dining room, um, my, my home. I think you may be in your basement. This has certainly been an extraordinary year for, for the Beacon Journal, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Our, our team has been performing at home and, and covering stories at home and out in the field. And our photographers especially, they uh, don't know the luxury of working at home solely. They have to get out in the community and take photos throughout the pandemic last year and into this year. So it's uh, been a challenging year for the team to stay abreast of what's going on. Uh, oddly, it's been easier in some ways, like with, uh, you know, virtual meetings. We can uh, keep tabs on uh, government meetings and, and some things like that from home, which is uh, convenient, obviously, but won't last forever. Um, but, yeah, our team has uh, really risen to the occasion, in my, in my opinion. And uh, I think our challenges on the backside have been largely invisible to the readers who uh, see our content online and in print. And yet, in many ways, it, it's been a year of, of achievements, right? I mean, we, we certainly, I mean, it's been a lot of news. So we, we had the Black Lives Matters protests. We, we certainly had the pandemic and now the vaccines. And, and the readers, you know, it, it's been a really a robust year for the, for the publication. Yes, we've uh, more than doubled our digital subscriptions in the past year. We've uh, really been working hard on changing how we operate from a legacy print type product into a really robust online uh, offerings of, of news and content for the community. Uh, that's meant a lot of changes in systems and how we operate and scheduling, uh, how we go about when stories are posted, how we plan for content events. And uh, it's really been a, uh, despite the pandemic and working from home, we've also been tackling these uh, rather significant changes in how we go about covering the news and publishing it online in particular. And what we're doing right now, and you and I talking to each other, is is an example of that. Correct. Yeah, the podcast is, uh, we, we recognize that many readers consume news in different ways than today. We are trying to serve everyone from the uh, the older reader who still craves and loves their print newspaper to the younger audience that wants to hear podcasts on local events. They want to read things online or on our mobile apps. Our, our, I should mention our apps have been completely updated in the past year and are brand new and uh, are really robust and offer push notifications to cut to readers who want to be alerted to news as it happens. Well, thank you, Mike, for, for joining us for, for this segment. And I encourage you to come back anytime and, and, and talk to business. I think folks are kind of interested of, in learning about what's happening behind the scenes as, as we gather news for the folks in Northeast Ohio and especially the Akron region. Thank you, Craig. And now for our spotlight story. We're joined by Beacon Journal reporter Doug Livingston, who's been reporting on housing issues in Akron since 2015, and Rosie Murphy, editor of the Devil Strip, and Abby Marshall, a Devil Strip reporter who has worked on this project. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for having us. Good to be here, Craig. Mayor Dan Horgan has said that his goal is to grow Akron's population from just under 200,000 to 250,000, a, a lofty goal, right? But... Uh, one that's achievable, but it's kind of, you know, when you welcome people, obviously I think the mayor's goal is not only to grow the population, but he wants people to live in Akron, right? You know, he doesn't want uh, folks living in the suburbs and, and continuing that sprawl. So I guess the issue that comes up is, you know, where are they going to live and, and having safe and affordable housing? So 
all of you who are, are part of this uh, discussion, we're part of a series of stories about housing. It was published recently on BeaconJournal.com, in the Devil Strip, on News 5 in Cleveland, and on WKSU. So, and, and I guess maybe as an insider, um, I'm a journalist myself, uh, I, I guess it, it's fascinating that we all kind of compete, right? I mean, we're all supposed to be, we all kind of have sometimes the same stories we're working on, but we all have our own interest in, in, in getting the scoop. But, but this time we, we kind of had to collaborate, right? And so this was kind of something new um, for the Beacon. And we have worked with Channel 5 in the past, but, but now with the Devil's Stiff and, and WKSU. So I'm just kind of curious, maybe from Doug and, and Rosie, how that kind of came about. How, how does collaboration happen? The, the collaboration on this particular project started back in 2019 in the primary elections for mayor and council in Akron. And the Devil Strip joined us, uh, the Beacon Journal and uh, WKSU at some community conversations where we, we heard people sit down and, and just kind of spitball what's bothering them, what their issues are, what are the assets in their community, um, why are they being underutilized, how can they tap them. And we constantly heard people um, going back to their sense of place, their sense of community, where they live. And I guess um, there are a few things as universal as the roof over your head, if you're fortunate to have one. Um, so that, that led us to uh, really gearing our reporting towards housing and the pandemic kind of uh, threw a monkey wrench at us. And we, we, we uh, mothballed the plans for a few months and we're back at it this year. Yeah. And I think um, to your question, Craig, about collaboration compared to competition, I think what made this a really great project uh, to collaborate on is that it's. It's it's not really about getting scoops. It's not really about being the first to explain it. It's about explaining it as thoroughly as possible. These are complex issues. There are a lot of different issues layered on top of each other um, that intersect in all these different ways that touch all of our lives. And I think all of us really wanted to make sure that this work would reach as many people as possible so that, you know, everyone who reads The Devil Strip, everyone who reads The Beacon, everyone who listens to WKSU can end up with um, a more sophisticated understanding of everything that's at work here to make our neighborhoods feel the way that they do um, and make our experiences in the city feel the way that it does. Doug, what were the uh, top things you learned about housing in, in Akron uh, while reporting and collaborating on this on this effort? So I guess the collaboration made me kind of slow down and take the long view of housing and what's happened. Um, and. And so if we look over the last 20 years, we'll notice that rent, the amount that people pay each month, the pace at which that has increased is about double what incomes, what we've seen in the rise in incomes. So you have this pressure point mounting where people just can't afford to pay the same rent, this climbing rent on incomes that, that really haven't taken off in the city. Now, we did see some growth in the in the, the incomes, especially for the the lower income families right before the pandemic. Um, but then um, as with everything, the pandemic kind of just threw all of our conventional thinking out the window and we've been propped up by federal aid and moratoriums on evictions. Everybody's kind of been waiting with bated breath to see if these evictions are going to open a, like a floodgate here soon. Um, but uh, we're now in the middle of a really hot housing market. We've got the 2020 county reappraisal pushing values up across Summit County. And you've got incomes that are really are not keeping pace with this this fervor to buy homes. I mean, you've got people in bidding wars. And in, in the middle of this in this conversation, it often gets lost. The people who are renting and cannot afford, they don't have the capital and they don't have the um, their credit, the, the credit scores and the capital to, to really participate in, in these low interest rates we're seeing now. So um, I think it's time to um, really shine a light on these issues. And, and I think we've got the attention of some people in the city who are, we're looking at this a little bit more holistically. 
Abby, your thoughts? I'm not originally from here, so this was a great opportunity to learn about all of the housing issues going on in various parts of the city. Our story specifically focused on Middlebury um, and kind of what's going on over there in terms of demolition rates. Um, they've got the highest, second highest demolition rate behind Summit Lake, and yet uh, all of these vacant lots are not being built upon. Uh, so we kind of dug into why that's happening, how it got to that point. Uh, something like 70% of all homes in Middlebury were built before 1940. So you've got this aging housing stock um, that just isn't being maintained in many cases and a lot of renters in an area. And so it gets to the point where they are condemned and demolished and then new construction is not happening in that area. So that's kind of what our story focused on. And we learned a lot about the efforts kind of on how to bring housing back to that area and what nonprofits are doing. So for those who may be listening and, you know, where is Middlebury neighborhood in Akron? So give them kind of a geographic location so we can kind of, you know, <laughs> what, what, what side of town are we talking? Yeah, Middlebury is to the east of downtown. It's Akron's original uh, settlement. So it was the first place that Akron experienced, you know, housing and growth. And so um, we are looking at a lot older housing stock than. Um, the rest of the city because of that. So it's it's right by um you have downtown and then to the east you have University Park and then Middlebury. So I'm assuming that these we're, we're not talking mansions here necessarily. These are probably practical homes built by practical people, laborers, you know, these are talking um we're talking older housing stock, but we're we're probably talking you know not not the great palatial mansions that we think of the Stan Hewitt or the uh the Firestones. No, no, they're all uh, single-family homes or, or duplexes in many cases. So that's a big uh, point, too, for people that are trying to bring housing back to nonprofits that are focusing on constructing. They want to kind of maintain the identity of the neighborhood, not putting in massive apartment complexes or things like that, and wanting to kind of upkeep the look of the neighborhood with their new construction. Craig, what so we're seeing in Middlebury, you can see really across the city because you've got periods of time in Akron's prolific growth in the 1910s and 1920s where entire neighborhoods went up in a matter of a couple of years, whether it's Firestone Park or Goodyear Heights. So you've got all these homes just crashing into their uh, 100th birthday at the same time. And we really haven't had anything significant in terms of new home builds in Akron uh, since the 90s. Uh, we're seeing some interest right now. Again, that interest it really isn't trickling down to to the populations that are uh, beyond these beyond these neighborhoods that are, are just trying to to really stabilize it at this time. So you know, we a lot of folks watch HGTV. I, I'm guilty. Maybe I reluctantly watch with my wife. But so when we're talking about rehabbing and, and, and maybe you know raising and starting over, are we talking investors here that are, that would be likely candidates to come in, or are we talking this? You know, Chip and Joanna coming in and flipping <laughs> houses or the idealistic, you know, the young Gen Xers coming back to Akron and, and fixing up a house on their own. Who would be the likely candidates for these houses? So a lot of um, people that we spoke to were renters in the area. About two thirds of Middlebury specifically are rentals. Um, and a common complaint we would hear from folks over there is just that landlords are not upkeeping their property. Uh, for whatever reason, but 
we spoke to people that, you know, had cracks in their foundation or had, you know, pests in their house and things were not being upkept, which kind of led to this problem of demolition. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, is that once these vacant lots exist, well, a lot of nonprofits are trying to, you know, stabilize. So helping with rehabs and repairs, Habitat for Humanity does a lot of that. The city has a program, a minor repair program to help with things such as new roofs, new furnaces. Um, and then beyond that, the city has a tax abatement property tax for 15 years. So if you do any major additions, you don't have to pay property taxes for 15 years. So those are just some programs that they have in place to kind of help those repairs. But in a lot of cases, tenants are not in charge of what happens to their house. And then once the lot is there, then we're seeing a lot of nonprofit activity in terms of construction. Yeah, one of those nonprofits, the Well Community Development Corporation, which works in Middlebury, is attempting to rehabilitate old homes. Um, so before homes are torn down, they, they buy them and try to um, make them, them livable again. And I know one challenge they face is that it costs so much money to bring a property back to a place where it is livable. And ideally, it's sort of attractive to a contemporary family. I mean, a lot of these old homes only have one bathroom. It's often on the second floor. Um, they were not sort of built for today's buyer. Uh, so this rehab that would be need to be done to make those houses sort of HGTV worthy is more expensive. You couldn't make your money back if you put that house on the market because prices in neighborhoods like Middlebury are often too low. And um, underscoring what, what Rosie's talking about, any dollar that are, that are put into some of these homes, you may never see again. You may never be able to sell the home for, for the money that you put into it. And that's why we see new builds um, outside of the city in Talmadge and Chicago Falls. If you build a house for $100,000 in either one of those communities, you might get $100,000 back in Akron. You might get double that in some of these suburban communities. So it's just a lack of interest in investing that's uh, just a really negative market force weighing on Akron. As a homeowner uh, who once, I have a newer house now, but we once had a century-old house. And if you've ever heard the word laugh, that will, that will send shivers down your spine when you start to trying to patch lath, which is the old way of building. You're kind of used to a drywall. Um, it's just kind of a nice thing. These old houses probably have a lot of lath. So related question, and, and maybe not entirely, I, I, I guess, you know, it's interesting. I always thought of Akron as being an affordable place to live. You know, we always were would hear that. Maybe that was not necessarily true or the rubber hits the road, so to speak. But, but you know, people say, oh, the cost of living in Akron is low, and you can buy housing here compared to California and other states. I mean, how do we compare it to, to like size cities and, and maybe in Ohio and then maybe kind of looking, you know, elsewhere in, in, in other cities? I mean, is it is an apples apples comparison? Are we better off with our housing stock? Or are we not? It's kind of a mixed bag. There's a, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. So if you look at just the average rent that people pay per month, the Census Bureau says that only Columbus, outside of all other major cities in Ohio, has higher rents than Akron. So Akron is up there, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the cities. Um, then if you look at the portion of people who are renting that are rent burden, meaning they're paying 30 percent, 35, 50 percent of their incomes towards rent a month, um, we have neighborhoods where we're close to 60 or 70 percent of people who are renting are paying 50 percent or more of their incomes. Um, so we have some extremely rent burdened communities within Akron um, and comparatively, you know, so does Cleveland. So there's a couple of different ways to look at it, but um, 
the numbers do not bode well for the affordability of people who are stuck in some of these um, low-income, high-rent neighborhoods. Yeah, and when you think about purchasing a home, um, yes, you can. The median is is much higher now. I know when we started this project, it was a five-digit number was the median home price in Akron, but um, conditions could vary so widely. You know, you could get a house that had been well cared for and was in really great shape, or you could could end up with a house that would need really major renovations to make it the sort of place that you'd want to live. And when home buyers are participating in this market, given the choice of that house that requires significant renovations or a home in one of the suburbs that's 50 or 70 years newer, um, I think that's where we saw a lot of competition. We all want to be optimistic, right? Is is there hope on the horizon for for some of these folks? Are, are, are folks trapped? I mean, do we do we see any of these initiatives? And is there hope? I think the forces that the city is bringing to bear really show how broken the market is in some areas. Um, the fact that um, you know they're they're breaking the ground on a new set of homes on the crossings at Old Farms, it's off Diagonal Road, um, in the near side of West Akron. Um, the city had to discount the sale of that property to one dollar. Um, they went down from a I think a couple hundred thousand dollars to a dollar just to get that deal to work. Um, we've got a 15-year, 15 15 100% tax abatement on all new residential construction and, you know, any home improvements over $5,000. That's that's a significant, that's, I mean, that's that's full throttle, as, as high as you can make that tax abatement by state law. So the forces that are bringing a bear really, I think, speak to how uh, dire the situation is in some communities. Now, there are other parts of Akron, northwest Akron, in particular, where the housing market is more stable and they're more easily jumping into this hot housing market where you've got people actually building new homes and and um, and not just uh, trying to rehab them or keep them from falling down. And on the rental side, um, the two months before the pandemic hit, so January and February 2020, Akron saw more evictions granted than in any months prior to that uh, in the data set that we have, which I believe dates back to 2017. So we know that that eviction was a problem that was impacting many, many people in the city. The moratoria that were part of the CDC and the federal government's response to COVID stopped many evictions. Uh, There were exceptions to those rules and evictions did still go forward. But I think a lot of housing advocates are fearful about what will happen when those expire and what will happen to folks who have fallen behind on their rent and, you know, are facing job losses and haven't been able to find new jobs or, or whatever, you know, if we're going to be experiencing as we come out of this pandemic, you know, the the rental market is still, you know, as Doug said, quite expensive for many people, especially relative to incomes. And there's a lot still to be done there. I hate to double down on the doom and gloom here. I feel like I'm coming in behind <laughs> these comments and just sprinkling yeah. more despair on them. But um, when we think about how high the evictions were in January and February of last year, Ten and a half evictions filed um, a day. Uh, that was the highest point that we've recorded. And we know that in 2016, the year in which we don't have data for, Akron was the highest in terms of evictions in the state of Ohio um, among its largest cities so and 24th in the nation. So it was an issue before then, and it looked like it was getting out of control right before the pandemic kind of closed the door on evictions for a little while. And a layer we haven't discussed is is those landlords, I mean, who perhaps have not been collecting rent for months and months and months. And and do we have any sense of economic disparity among them? I mean, will we see foreclosures among rental properties just because 
they haven't had rent coming in and, and perhaps they haven't been making payments? I mean, is there a fear that, that not only we see evictions, but we're going to see foreclosures among rental agencies and, and, and properties that you know, the owners themselves? There's a few landlords that I go back to regularly to see how the market is treating them. Um, Terry Dotson's a good uh, guy to go back to because he's on he owns properties all across Summit County. He's got 147 units across the county, a lot of them in Akron. Um, and uh, I spoke with him. He said the the prices, the costs of of managing these properties are just they're going through the roof. And it's you know from 2014 and 15 when the sewer bills were increased, he had to push that cost onto his renters. Um, the cost of building materials now, he's got to push that along to his renters. The cost of home purchases and home sales, um, people are bidding, outbidding each other, driving up the value of homes. That cost is going to get pushed on to renters. And now you've got the reappraisal increasing the valuation of properties. And he said um, he can't he can't increase the rent fast enough. And he doesn't want to pull the rug out from some out from underneath somebody mid contract. So he, he'd like to help those people who have been loyal tenants who have been making the payments every single month, but. It's it's a rough it's a rough rough market to be in um, for a lot of these landlords who who don't want to just price themselves out by by increasing rents so high that they can't find tenants who could afford them. Which might lead us to a discussion about raising minimum wage, but that would be a topic for another day, right? <laughs> raising household income. I'm not touching. Final question is uh, <laughs> that's true. Final question is this is supposed to be a multi-year reporting collaboration, right? Project. So so what is next? Well, I think we've um we've opened up a bunch of cans of worms that we're really excited to to continue digging into. I know Shema uh, Byram from the Beacon Journal is going to begin to look into home lending, who is receiving home loans, what neighborhoods we're seeing lending activity and where we're not seeing lending activity. I'm really looking forward to um seeing her findings. Um I'm looking into uh the issue of people in public housing losing their subsidies when they make too much money. So it's a it's kind of a disincentive to get a better paying job if you're going to lose dollar for dollar every dollar you're getting for your rent. So we're looking into that issue. And we also have some community conversations coming up that will be facilitated by a former Beacon Journal managing editor, Doug Opplinger, um, in which we just get to sit down and listen to some people tell us what we're doing right, what we're not looking at, what we've got wrong in our reporting, where we should go next. So we're always trying to stay grounded in this by listening to voices of the people who are actually living in Akron's renting, landlording, and homeowning markets. And I will be looping back around to tax maintenance, which I did some reporting on last summer, and kind of looking at how those affect various school districts, especially as we're seeing some developments pop up in the Woodard School District, which goes across the borders of Cuyahoga Falls and Akron. And I know our team is also going to be digging in on some landlord accountability, just some things we had seen come up in our reporting, whether that's like property tax delinquencies or, you know, varying information under a lot of different LLCs. So those are things that we are all looking uh, as they come up in this project. Well, thank you, Doug, Rosie and Abby. Um, really appreciate your time. And I feel guilty taking you away from the reporting time because this is really important stuff and, and it really you know, I, I'd like to think that maybe we're in a new era of journalism in Akron and, and just more public service type reporting. And this is just a great example. And, and it's just great to hear that there's going to be more more efforts going forward. And, and we we've just really, as you said, scratched the surface. I mean, you know, because you think about what you need and, and you need a, a roof over your head. Right. We need food, water and a roof over our head. So 
So thank you so much for joining us today. BeaconJournal.com and our apps will always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. That's all the time we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes will be released every Wednesday wherever you download your favorite podcast and available on BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps. We urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, we thank you. Until next week, now you know Akron.